Because if you're being paid to do something that is arguably good, you're not a hero, you're a hireling. You are listening to And If Love Remains, a unique show spotlighting people, ideas, science, culture, and art. Your host, Mike Lovett. Mike Lovett. Yes, Rachel, you are listening to that podcast in the sky, And If Love Remains. I am your lovely host, Mike Levitt, and I have with the, with me today the Demosthenes of America. <laughs> I wish. That'd be so awesome. Joe, Joe Wolverton. Also have a good friend of mine, Jim Chansu here. Hi, Jim. Hey, Jim. And we're going to talk some Cato's letters. Is that right, my man? Yes, sir. Let's do this thing. All right. So this is... We're going to talk about number 93, which is a powerhouse. Um, Yeah. So pause the podcast and get out your, I don't know, you want to do it online or you want to have, if you have the physical book, which I would encourage all of you, man, I mean, it's for both volumes of Cato's Letters. It's, you know, 24 bucks at Liberty Fund. Please go do that. Go show these a small business. Uh, really good people support the cause of liberty. Uh, so go over to Liberty Fund. And if you, if you look me up on Instagram, I'll you know. And if you hit me up on Instagram because you heard the podcast, I'll give you a discount code to use over there. Um, but that's only if you hear us through the podcast. So, wow. Yes. So make sure that you both listen to the podcast, which you are, because you otherwise you wouldn't. Yeah. Exactly. And uh, yeah, but but check. Uh, uh, Joey out uh, on his Instagram page. Where? What's your name? Uh, it's just Joe Wolverton JD. I think is J- I think. Joe something Wolverton, like that. JD ish, something like yeah, that. Something like that. Uh, <laughs> you'll see me when you click on it. You'll he's, see me. He's friends with me, so you can look up uh, music by Mike Lovett, mm-hmm. and uh, and you'll see that there too. But yep. um, yeah, so that's that's great. We'll get discount on that, and 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 yeah, these. You know, these letters, obviously, they could be found online. So read them no matter what. But if there's a way that we can, you know, continue to get hard copies out into the um, communities, I think that that's a good thing to do. Yeah. I mean, provided you got to actually read them. And that's one thing that that uh, I found when I introduce people to these, they get really fired up because, yeah, there's a lot to be fired up about. Problem is you've got to not only get fired up, you've got to follow through which is more difficult, you know, and uh, I will say that reading Trenchard and Gordon is a much easier task than reading Sidney or Milton or some of the other guys that you might read, these heroes of, of Republican government. Um, I, would, I would posit that reading Trenchard and Gordon is probably your easiest read of this kind of, of literature. And so, yeah, get out there. You can get them on... Uh, the uh, Liberty Fund's online library of liberty, and they have them all on there for free, hyperlinked, and you can, you can, uh, you know, you can download them as PDF, and you can. So that's what I do. I have the, you know, the actual copies, the hard copies, but then I also have them on PDF, and I upload them to my Notability so I can mark them up all kinds of ways because my books are thrashed by now, and so it's nice. It's nice to have that, and you can. Instead of carrying around your, you know, your books, you can carry around your iPhone and have, you know, Cato's letters right there in your pocket. Have, have, have the, 
the greatest uh, trumpet of liberty mm -hmm. that, that, that you can have. And, th and this is a powerful essay. Um, first of all, one of the things I noticed, and maybe you can speak to this before we get into the substance of it, um, uh, Gordon has a much different voice than Ginger. Mm -hmm. Yep, that's right. <laughs> Gordon was 34 years younger than Trenchard. So Trenchard started out doing, uh, he, you know, he earned a name for himself, a reputation. Uh, he wrote like the independent wig, uh, with eventually with Gordon, who I, Gordon started off as his secretary basically. And, uh, so Gordon's style, like you might imagine as an, you know, as a younger man, Gordon tends to be a bit more fiery, right? Oh, you're fine. Gordon is a bit more fiery than uh, than Trenchard, but um, there his style is less. Uh, how would you say less philosophical and to me more practical, whereas Trenchard likes to lay out you know this more philosophical approach. You know his his tack is very philosophical, whereas Gordon is like, let's shoot them all and let God sort them out. <laughs> Which is kind of what he says in 93. It's exactly uh, what he says. <laughs> so let's, let's get into this thing. And, and you know, um, that for the first paragraph, when, we, when, when you first open this thing up and it starts talking about um, who... Um, so it's an essay upon heroes, sorry. I gotta take off my glasses. Mm -hmm. I'm getting, I'm old like Trenchard apparently. Um, and so he's talking about the people who have reformed communities, taught laws, um, you know, and, and punished those who violated the laws. And then he says, and I love this, this little, it's, you know, it was clearly the point, but it's also like as a, almost a, a, a side note and the greatest of all these public robbers and monsters tyrants and 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 it was the heroes that that made sure that that, that the tyrants were taken care of as they should right that was that was their you know one of the things for which they earned this reputation and i like how he opens it with sort of a a checklist i you know i would whenever i've taught this i would you know I, when i teach it in a class and people are taking notes or whatever I'm like, you know, you can use this as a sort of uh, inventory for yourself, right? To see, am I a hero? Am I, you know, on the trajectory toward heroic deeds? And you can say, you know, are you brave? Do you demonstrate courage, bravery? Are you disinterested? That is to say, do are you above flattery? Are you above being bought? Right? Are you above being being manipulated? So you're disinterested. You just want the truth to be do, to be done, regardless of the font from which it flows. Right? You just want it done, whether it benefits you or not is immaterial. Um, that you go about doing good uh, prowess. You know that's a big one. Prowess. You know prowess is something that I think is overlooked, um, but shouldn't be. It's one of those things that. To be heroic in this sense, you need some sort of skills. You know, it's like people right. sleep on that, but I think they shouldn't. It's sort of like how people sleep on the whole, you know, Second Amendment and everybody likes to crow about the right to keep and bear arms. 
but it's the right to keep and bear arms as attached to, you know, it is the security of a free society depends on a militia that is well-regulated. And this has, you know, this is connected in spirit to this word prowess. You have got, you, yeah, a well-regulated militia is a militia that trains together, that learns how to, how to uh, you know, perform procedures necessary, maneuvers that are necessary, right? That's well-regulated. So if you want to be a heroic person of the sense that, that uh, Gordon is talking about, you have to have prowess. What do you have skill at? Can you, can you make knives? Are you a marksman? Are you, you know, are you a pilot? Find something that you can offer that could accomplish the things that, you know, that you mentioned, well, right? Well, I think, I think, first and foremost, are you able to take care of yourself? You can't take care of others before you can take care of yourself. Uh, Jim has taught self-defense for many years and, and you know, the, just the ability to be able to defend oneself in the situation you know, it gives you confidence. And then you take that a step further, being able to, you know, use a firearm, being able to, you know, protect those that are in need and, and be able to, to enter any situation with confidence. That, that's a big part of that prowess that, that you're talking about. Right. It's something like uh, Plato talks about when he says, you know, don't look for people. If, if something happens to the ship's captain, don't look to replace him just by anyone on the ship. Why is it that people who, who claim to have, you know, boy, when it all comes down, I'm going to be the last man in the last foxhole, right? Why would we look to someone who's never done anything to prepare for that, to lead us in that moment? And, and if you compare that to our leaders today, you know, right. you know President Biden has never had a job and in his life. Well, how many of them have? Very few. And if, right. they, and if they do have jobs, they're, you know, law, they're law jobs in you know, large corporations that are funded by government and they end up in institutions and in, and in um, uh, think tanks and then they end up in government or vice versa or media. It, it, it's never anything that's real, anything that can, that, that can put food on the table, can, um, you know, that, that's real in, in, a, in a true way. It's all this like theoretical stuff. Yeah, owning a thousand- and This is a musician talking, so. Right. <laughs> Owning a thousand guns and not being a marksman makes you worse than useless. It makes you dangerous to those around you, right? So prowess. The next thing he says, they go about doing good. Do you do that? At your own expense and danger, do you do good because you're being paid to do good? Because if you're being paid to do something that is arguably good, you're not a hero, you're a hireling. I don't care what, how grand people like to stick labels on you. I don't care if you get a cool little uniform and a gun and a badge and a nifty Dodge Charger. I don't care if you get discounts all over. I don't care. If you're getting paid to be, to put yourself in harm's way, you're not a hero. You're a hireling, period. And this is the thing that makes 93 so offensive to so many people who claim to understand the founding fathers and do not. If you think the founding fathers would support a professional police force who are kids who, some of them, not exactly your finest, right? Not only that, that they would allow the government to steal their money, to pay salaries of a person they don't know, 
to ostensibly defend their family, then you, you need to take time away from this podcast and go read the words of the founding fathers because not a one of them would support that concept. And there was no concept of that until the 1850s in America. And, and I've heard you say, like, if, uh, if what, would, what would surprise the founding fathers most about our world today? And I think you said the two things were that, that we have a government education system and that we have a government police force. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, can you, anybody, you, it's, it's some sort of disconnect so grand that I couldn't imagine, but I, I see it every day. Right. You see the guy with the I back the blue and don't tread on me stickers right next to each other. You know, every time I see don't back the blue in my mind, I think red coat lives matter. Right. That's what I see in my mind. It's like, what are you why are you supporting this that, you know, how can you have don't tread on me and I support the people who are going to tread on me? I think I think that. Um one of the things that I've come to the realization of, and I'm going to put it in my own words, is that the, um, the police and the, the army, um, the soldiers, the military, um, they're being paid by the state and therefore they are loyal to the state and they will protect the state. And if you happen to, to get in the way of that protection, good on you. You have that protection because, because it served their needs for you to have that protection. But the second that, you no longer have that, that it doesn't suit their needs to be for you to be protected as a citizen. There's nothing to, to, that will stop them. And we've seen countless times that that has happened where it's just turned and, it, and, and, uh, and the citizenry no longer has the protection of the police or right. because, because their number one concern is that of their, of, of their employer, the government, the state. Right. And keeping their income because they ain't fixing to go to college, if you know what I mean. So you you do you do dangerous things at your own expense, right? Those are things. Live patterns of virtue and useful valor. Make a list for yourself, Mike. Anybody listening, particularly I would say younger men, right? If you're a young man, this should be the sort of thing that you write down in your commonplace book, that you take a note in your iPhone, and that you remember to rehearse to yourself. Be brave, be disinterested, be courageous, have prowess, go about doing good at your own expense and danger, live a life of virtue and useful valor, do those things. And if you do, Gordon says, then you will be superior to other men and akin to the gods, right? That's the sort of thing. That's a nice uh, accomplishment. <laughs> right, right. Um, and so that's the sort of, I love how he opens it because it really does give you a very clear lens through which to observe heroism. If there, That's a word that today has lost its meaning because everyone is a hero. And philosophically, Mike, which, you know, through your study of philosophy, I'm sure you know, if everyone is a hero, that means no one is a hero. And maybe that's where we are today, you know, because we have, you have even conservatives who scoff at the idea 
of a citizen militia because they sleep on the first half of the Second Amendment. We'd still have the queen on our money if it wasn't for the militia. And someday we may have who knows face on our money because we don't have a militia and we don't have any men, very few, who would be willing to be this kind of man, to put in the sacrifice that it takes to be this kind of man. And I aim that at young people because you're able to make of your life what you want to make of it. And, you know, a, a, a hero dies but once, right, as Shakespeare said. A coward dies a thousand times. A thousand times. Right? Yeah. And, um, and there's, there's such a, and he goes right here into the, the next paragraph. And I don't mean to, to jump. No, ahead, go, no, you go. He goes right ahead and, and talks about kind of the, um, the, the funny house version of a hero. Like how does, how does those things get twisted? You know, um, because of the nature and ambition of man, um, you know, we, we can, uh, well, I, I think it's really illuminating Mike when he talks about that, you know, so wild is the nature of man, so impudent, you know, disrespectful, uh, that whereas the primitive heroes were the bulwarks of society, they're what kept society afloat, and the preservers of men. Now think about that. Those who pretended to succeed them were the disturbers of society and the destroyers of men. And such tyrants and monsters as the old heroes had destroyed. They did themselves impudently set up for heroes. I mean, think about that. These people that we call heroes today, how many of the people that we stick this label on, hero, are people that disturb society, people that destroy men, people that do not... Face down monsters. Yeah, people that do not live lives of virtue, right? How you saw, I mean, talk about courage and proud. You saw at that school where the cops are hanging out, letting kids get mown down. Dude, not only are you a hireling, but you're a wussy hireling. (laughs) That's worse than being a hireling. You're now a, a, a cowardly hireling, which is worse. And these are the sort of men that the old heroes would have destroyed those people for being disturbers and destroyers. But today, we well, give them we it, give them discounts at yeah, and those, stores. And, those, and you know, those same people were, as parents, are trying to you know, in their own way, be heroes to their kids and go save their kids. They were stopping them, saying, "No, you can't go in." Yeah, you know that. It, You're gonna put a bullet in my head. Such an embarrassing. That that really, I think, um, made a point of where we are today, of of where um, the yeah. I dare a policeman to we roll up on Sam. Go sing it, man. <laughs> Let it out. You're the musician, man. Let it go. <laughs> I need a hero. Right. Um, let's all sing hero songs. <laughs> It's like pitch perfect all of a sudden. It's like, what do they call it? The riff off? The riff off. Songs about heroes. <laughs> Ready, go. Uh, 
Um, I think I've tapped, I've reached my limit, I think. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Hero. Oh, no, I have to think about it. Yeah. Hero. There's probably some anime songs. <laughs> I don't know any anime songs, man. Oscar, Oscar. Um, but yeah, I mean, can you imagine some cop running, running up on Samuel Adams and maybe Samuel Adams' neighbor, you know, had a warrant out and a cop picks the wrong house, flashbangs Samuel Adams' house. And Samuel Adams being, oh, you're a policeman. Oh, never mind then. Sorry, you were just doing your job, officer. Thank you for your service. He'd be like, give me that. Give me that musket. We're going to handle business. No, he, absolutely. And, and how do we know that? Well, they hung Because they, they he hung bloody him. well did that. Right. I mean, I mean, these people, this is where if, if you know, if, if we want to be free, if we want to have real liberty, we have to live and at least have the attitude that the founders had. And that means not putting up with people who want to steal your money, people who want to enter your home, you know, without consent, people who want to, um, I was, I, I, I was, I was studying, um, for a project I'm working on songs, um, from the revolution. Mm -hmm. And there's one, um, that the British would sing. And I wish I, I'll have to pull it up, but, um, in it, it talks about like, Oh, you, Oh, you, Oh, miss, you think it's okay that, that, um, you don't like the fact there's four of us in your house. So how would you like if there were six? How would you like if there were 12? I mean, that's, mm -hmm. that's a song that the British were singing, like, uh, you know. But that's the impudence that he's talking about. Yeah. These wannabe heroes. That's the impudence, right? You saw the other day that video. You had a guy who gave, pierced his own son's ear and... Son was telling someone about it. Neighbor called the police. Six cops arrest him for endangering the life of a child because he pierced his own son's ear. Six policemen dragging him out of his house. Wow. They would have been dragging all of us out of the house in bags. There's no damn way. And this is the thing we're losing. The yeah. courage of, are you a hero or am I a hero? Are either one of us heroes? How do we determine well, that? And this goes back to the same, you know, part of the same conversation that we've had in these. And, and one of the themes I would say is the fear of the sort of, of uh, Damocles. Like when the authorities in whatever position they're in, whether it's the police, whether it's governors, whether it's presidents, if they don't feel the fear of, oh man, if I enter the wrong house without a warrant, that could be trouble for me, you know? Uh, there has to, you know, maybe it's not worth going in, you know, to, to try to find some drugs on somebody. Maybe it's worth to make sure that, that you wait till the guy comes out or, you know what I mean? Like, like there, there is no, um, there has to be some fear that, that there's real consequences and that the people that stand up for themselves don't have a fear of retaliation, mm -hmm. you know, which, no. there, which I mean, I, we don't live in that society. I mean, there's no. constant fear of retaliation. Uh, well, exactly. And, and open, you know, if you talk back to me, I'm taking you to jail. Oh, yeah. I am the law. And, and, and it could be small things. Yeah. Anybody can look up on YouTube, you know, first amendment auditors and things like that, where maybe they've mm -hmm. flipped mm -hmm. off a police officer or they've, they've said a nasty thing to a police officer. And the next thing you know, they're in handcuffs. Like, wait a sec. 
like you could say that's bad taste. You could say there's yeah, lots of things. Yeah, it's rude. It's lots of things. What you can't say is that it's unlawful. Unlawful. Yeah. Um, he goes on, and I love that he says that, you know, this superstition has destroyed religion. I love how he says that, and that has usurped the place of religion. In my family, we say culture has trumped commandment, right? This superstition, this way, this way we've negotiated with the gospel to make it palatable and comfortable for me, I redefine as the gospel, but it isn't, right? But whatever way I want to, to ameliorate so is he the, saying yes, here then because we're putting the authority in government that the authority of the church, the authority of religion, the authority of the gospel is lessened and is usurped? Well, he's, he's just making an analogy to saying this superstition that has replaced oh, gotcha. religion, tyranny has replaced government. And just like superstition now calls itself religion— Tyrants call themselves government, but they are not. By very definition, we do not have a government now, right? And if you think of the word govern and tyrant, think of the etymology of those two words. So tyrant is an Etruscan word meaning mistress. Now you can think about this because what does a mistress do? She takes to herself a privilege that rightly belongs to another, to a wife. Right. Okay, that's tyran, tyrannos, tyrannos in Etruscan. Government is kybernon, which means to steer a ship. Right? If I get on a boat and the captain passes out and I, I, I don't become a captain by grabbing the wheel and turning it. Right. I'm just a guy trying to steer a boat. I'm not a captain. So you've got people in government. Government exists to steer the ship and for the benefit of those on board the ship, and for no other reason. He does not get to decide. The captain of the boat, yeah, I know I'm supposed to take you guys to Cabo, but guess what? I know a much better place. I'm going to take, I know you guys paid a lot of money, but I'm going to take you to this other, no, you're a hireling, sir. Right. You have skill, and you're going to take us to where, because this is for us. We've decided we want to go to that place, regardless of your opinion, regardless of anything. And so you're not, and Montesquieu, you know, said it best. He's like, a magistrate isn't a magistrate if he exceeds the authority of the magistrate. He becomes a common thief and deserves to be treated as such. You're not a president, a congressman, or whatever, a governor. If you, you're only that insofar as you remain inside the boundaries of your lawful authority. Right. Right. I, you are not a governor if you are not steering the ship for the benefit of those on board the ship. Right. As they define it, right. The Declaration of Independence. Who gets to decide? Everybody. Each society gets to decide. You want to be a monarchy? Knock yourselves out. You want to be an oligarchy? The Declaration of Independence could support any of those governments because he says it's the government that the people themselves believe to be their best hope for life, liberty, and the pursuit and of happiness. And it's the right of the people 
once once their association with said government, you know, doesn't serve them, it's their duty to pull away. We've said this before. It's their duty to dissolve that government and start anew. Right. Once they stop protecting and preserving, once they stop doing that and they start disturbing and destroying, then they're no longer government. They are tyrants and against which every man is a soldier. Is as you know, Hugo Grotius said, they are the enemies of mankind and should be hunted down and treated accordingly because they are diminishing you. They are diminishing your divinity. They are diminishing all of your natural right to rule over yourself. God did not create a society. He created a family. Right. And I think it comes down to like, like, and and we're going to get deeper into this. I know. And there's so much that could be said, but it also becomes like a practical matter of like, okay, we understand this principle. So how do we apply that in our lives? And, 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 you know, what steps are we willing to take? Well, we'll get there certainly, but, um, this next part, it's really important with so much safety and even applause is mischief committed when it has, but a good name, man, you stick a good name on something, a convincing name, and people will not only do it, they will applaud it. They will think it's, I mean, like we talked about when we fought against the pledge of allegiance bill. Yeah conservatives are just like apoplectic that someone could oppose that. And I call it a pledge of allegiance. And I say the word Republic in it. And I say the word, you know, under God, it must be a good, you stick the right word on something and people will applaud the mischief. Even the word regardless, safety, especially the word safety. Regardless. <laughs> yeah. Right. It's the Patriot Act. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's the Restrict Act. We're keeping China from getting our data. Why? Because you don't like the competition? I'd rather, to me, it makes more sense that the Chinese want to hack my phone than that the NSA. The Constitution doesn't govern bloody China. I don't care what they do. But the Constitution does define the authority of the executive branch. Right? I don't care if China takes... I assume they would try. For what reason, I don't know. But I also don't care. Because to me, they're not blaspheming. Every one of those congressmen and that president, all of them swore an oath. And all of them add the little coda, so help me God. Right. With their hand on a Bible or whatnot. Making God a witness of their blasphemy. Because they already promised to break the oath. And, and, and to your point uh, about, about China, I want to mention, like, because what happens is then in China, or, or name your favorite, you know, terrorist organization or group or country out there becomes... The this, federal government? Well, I was going to say, like, the federal government turns them into the enemy. They're far away. They, they, they could be an enemy. Like, they very well could, but they're far away where we have an immediate threat an immediate enemy you know a thousand miles from our house that is that that somehow is able to touch our lives in every way that and make every decision for us <laughs> well somehow the the somehow is known yeah 
because without we, it, right? We don't care. And and we're we're much and we and this is just a human nature thing. We're much happier to think about an enemy that's far away and and to protect ourselves from that and allow somebody to 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 walk over all of our rights to protect us from a faraway enemy than to see that those the protectors have become our enemy. Right. And we're much more, we comfort ourselves by saying, well, when that day comes, I'm going to stand up to the tyrant and I'm going to do my thing. It's much easier to do that than to say, okay, today I'm a, you know, 16, 17 year old young man. I'm going to start living a life of a hero as defined by my heroes. Right. If you look up to the founding fathers, then you should look to those that they looked up to. Right. Becoming a hero is a process. It's not a, right. you know. But you could start working on it, right? Right. Yeah. And so um, I think, well, just so as not to belabor, we can keep going here because it gets really, really good. Yeah. I mean, we haven't even touched it yet. So Alexander, talking about Alexander the Great, uh-huh. deified himself, made himself a god. And Caesar, talking about Julius Caesar, was deified by others for being universal murderers. And Cook, I know it's spelled Coke, but it's pronounced Cook. Cook of Bury was hanged for attempting one murder. Had he been at the head of 100,000 cutthroats and murdered a million, he might have been recorded a hero. His name handed down to after ages with elogiums and public declamations made in the schools upon his conduct and virtue. See, I love that. I love that so much because it's not the name hero. It's not being called the great that makes one great. Because anybody that's called the great or any or most of the people that we call heroes are really murderers and tyrants. Uh, Alexander and Caesar, they murdered men, but why were they not held accountable? Because people didn't stand up to them. Right, but because they did what? They stuck a name. Conquest, oh, yeah. Pan-Hellenism, um, Pax Romana. They stuck these words, patriotism. The Rome, you know, these barbarians need to be put in their place. These whatever they stuck these names, so they get back. We defeated the enemy. Who was our enemy? The Gauls. What were they doing again? Absolutely nothing. But I just killed a million of them, all for you, Rome. Because he comes into Rome, right? Everybody. Oh my gosh! I can't. Sends letters home about how he's making Rome safe, and that sounds awesome. Alexander, I'm spreading the glory of Hellenism around the world. Right. I'm conquering Bring democracy to the world. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> but you got one guy who murders one person. He's hanged as a murderer. These guys are called statesmen and heroes. That's... So if you're going to murder one, murder a million, man. If, you're gonna, if you really have this desire to murder, run for politics, start some wars. And yeah, you know, but of course, nowadays you won't exactly get involved in them other than to, because as he said, so words words in world abuse and so much safety, even applause is mischief committed when it has a good name. So we're not going to call ourselves murdered, we're going to call ourselves the great, we're going to call ourselves conquered. No, but also why are you doing it, Mike? Patriotism. (laughs) I'm doing this because if we don't take the war to them, Mike, they're going to bring it here. Old crap. Which, by the way, 
I used to believe that. I used oh, well, to, so did I, man. I used to believe that. I used to think, oh, yeah, better better have it happen there than here. But the more I've looked into it, the more I realized, like, that's not what happened. I'm getting rid of the bad guys by killing these terrorists with flying robots. That's what the terrorists do. So to beat the terrorists, we become terrorists? What happened to... I've read the Constitution. I know you've read it. It says, no person shall be deprived of life, liberty, or property without due process. Not no American person, not no good person, no person. Because guess what? You're not a criminal until you're charged with a crime, allowed to answer those charges, and had the merits of those charges decided by an impartial tribunal. You're not a bad guy until that happens in America and England. I don't know what they do in Pakistan. Don't give a damn. Don't care. Right? They could, you could be found guilty, you know, guilty until proven innocent. I don't care. But that seems to be a universal Western thought. In other words, like, why have the Nuremberg tri- uh, trials? Well, the reason why you have the Nuremberg trials is because you, you need, they need to account. They, ha- they have to be put on trial and account for the deeds that happened. Right, but we don't do that. You could, right. we've brought so many of those terrorists that have held trials and are now at Supermax, right, in Colorado, in Supermax prison. We could do that. But instead, it's like, it makes, somehow, it makes the sheep among us, the timid among us, feel good that someone else is getting his hands bloody on our behalf. I'm making the world safe for democracy. I'm standing up for America's you allies. You need me on that wall. You need me on that right, wall. Right, right. We're, we're flying robots. We're killing guys. That's what they do. That's what they do to us. Yeah. Right? But once again, going back to this definition, if I do it and I'm an American, that's heroic. If Pakistan, Mike... If there was an enemy of the Pakistani state living in Queen Creek and the sovereign state of Pakistan sent a flying robot over here and blew up his neighborhood, Pakistan would be flattened. Right. The next, but because it's America and because he's a bad guy, we can do it to them. Well, this is the thing, Mike. That's because there's no principle. It's all about arms. It's all about who's the powerful. Because we're right. We're the shining city on a hill. We are right. If we're doing it, we're defending democracy. And, and We're putting away bad guys. I'm putting my life in harm's way to keep the streets safe. Are they? If I hired one million more police officers in Queen Creek tonight... Would there, let's not say Queen Creek because heaven knows nothing happens here. (laughs) Let's go Chicago. If I put a million cops on the streets of Chicago tomorrow, would there, would Chicago be safer the next day? No. No. Not at all. It would be a lot more dangerous. Right. It would not be any safer. And anyone who's studied things knows that. Right. So you look and you say, it's just words. So we have to, let me just say, why, why would it not be safer? It wouldn't be safer because you have um, a million more thugs, a million more um, government-paid employees that are there to protect the state. Right. And you have 
to many of those people, that uniform represents oppression. Whether you're a good guy or not is immaterial, right, to that situation. And you're not going to put yourself when, when, you know, you're there, you're collecting your paycheck, right? You want to do all those things. You're not going to voluntarily put, and even if you did, it still would be heroic because you're getting paid for it. Right. And that, and, 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 and that's, that's true. You're a hireling, but let's say you were trying to do good. It, it, the point is it, it, the, the net, there is no net good. No, there wouldn't be. And the number of the opportunity for corruption would just spike as well. Right. Because to someone like a cartel with the money, you know, when you're looking at, you know, like the Medellin cartel had, more cash on hand than GM in the 80s. Well, that just, to them, that just says, okay, we got to spread some more money around. Well, it's not just that. It's now, I can pinpoint where to put the money. Right. <laughs> I don't have to guess. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I know I know who to, who to bribe. Um, and so just have it be the right, call well, it the right thing. And the other thing I wanted to mention is the other, the other really dangerous aspect of not living by principles is then it gets turned on us. In other words, now you have an Edward Snowden who is, <laughs> you know, who can't, who, who's complete, cannot return to his home. You have uh, Julian Assange who will not be pardoned. You have uh, that's just rotting in jail and will probably die there. <laughs> you have, um, you know, people that have not gone to trial for January 6th. And you could say that's right or wrong. Julian Assange didn't kill anyone. No, he didn't. George Bush ordered the killing of thousands. And this is what he's saying. George Bush was president of the United States. He was fighting the bad guys. Right. So he's a hero. And Julian Assange is a bad guy. Julian Assange is rotting in jail. Because what did he do? He exposed. He exposed the corruption. Right. That's right. And, and, and now we have an NSA that, that, um, has too much money and too much manpower that is now looking at but, American citizens and is spying on us as much as anybody else. And once again, the applause, right? Who Do you know how conservatives would act if it was announced that we were going to arrest George W. Bush for war crimes? Well, we know how because people would say it and it would... And, and you liberal? You a communist? Right. No, I read the Constitution. There I'm not a not a communist at all. I, you know, am in favor of free market, but I'm also in favor of if you order the murder of people, then you ought to be held accountable, whether your name is Alexander the Great or Cook of Berry. Yeah, you gotta have the same. Or child the child the highwayman robbed the mail and was put to death, but if he'd robbed a nation, he would have governed it. Right. Instead of being, instead of hanging in chains, he would have led a whole people in chains and been dubbed an able statesman and a faithful minister. You know, there's something, some, there's something sick about human nature about that. And, and I don't know if it's our need for security. I mean, I don't know what that is that, that says, you know, hey, this guy is the guy that I want to be my ruler. The guy who has just robbed an entire country, the, the Philip, 
of Macedonia? Like, mm -hmm. why would you, why, why would you give into that? You know, why wouldn't you fight him? Because he's a slick talking veteran. How many of our leaders have been slick talking veterans? <laughs> there you go. Well, I mean, you know, that's the way, because we applaud that. He's a hero. He put himself in harm's way for Greece. What? He did it for his own. He did it to enrich himself. But all right, so I, so much of this, man. When you go down to the next paragraph, and he's talking about, you know, what is it? Mischief is inseparable from the profession of the present hero, whose business and ambition it is to multiply conquests and consequently miseries upon those whom he conquers. What a wild and inhuman spirit to plague the world in order to make a figure in it, to commit great villainies for a good name, to destroy the peace and prosperity of mankind, to gain their esteem, and to shed their blood to show themselves fit to govern them. I mean, they brag about, I'm going to get every member of Al-Qaeda, and I'm going to take care of all of them. We're going to use the shock and awe. They brag about it. Right. Before, if you elect me, I'm going to put these people in their place. I am going to rid the world of this menace. But it's like, you know, Ron Paul always said, they don't hate us for our freedom. They hate us because you blew up their wedding and killed 50 people who don't care at all about the United States. They don't hate you for your freedom, idiot. They hate you because you're murderers. Because when they go back to collect the bodies of their loved ones, the little piece of shrapnel have the words United States of America written on them. That's why they hate you, dude. It's called blowback. Yeah. I may not like the way my neighbor runs his house. I may not like his politics. I, I may not like literally anything about him, but I can coexist with him. But guess what? If I go over there, and start making a scene about how I don't like his politics, and I start vandalizing his house, and he comes over and kills me, did he hate me for my better values and better... No. Well, and I think... And let's, let, let's turn it a little bit. Let's say, um, let's say your neighbor, um, you know, blows up one of your buildings and, you know, kills, you know, 500 of your family members, does that give you the right to go and kill 50,000 of his, or should you not take bringing him to justice? Well, should even if not, it, even you know, if you assume that you would have that right, which is fine. Assume you have that right. I don't care. I, you know, there may be something to that, but my point is what would be the reason for the killing? The reason for the killing is the murders committed, not because they're jealous of you. Right. But, Dude, it's blowback. It's simple vengeance. For every one suspected bad guy, you militarize three of them. Because they're like, that guy, I know him. He did nothing. This is the way they're going to act. Then we're going to strike back. But again, if you're the president of the United States, they, they used to have their kill list meetings every Thursday. Well, yeah, the cards, you know, the, the right. deck of cards with 
they would have a, they would, I interviewed a guy, Mike, who was a drone operator from Nevada operating drones in the Middle East. And he killed himself. 24 years old, killed himself because he finally realized what he was doing. And it drove him insane. Now, I obviously interviewed him before that. I wanted to know, you know, what his life was like as a, they go in this tiny little hut. They're not allowed to have smartphones, not allowed to read the paper, nothing like that. And they just get a, on a, uh, what do you call it? A, a clipboard coordinates. And then they just, him and another guy, they coordinate. There's a coordinate. Are you there? Do you see anything? Light it up. And then they would fly back around to make sure it was blown up. They would mark it off down to the next one. Yeah. That's, that's not American, man. We go not abroad in search of monsters to destroy. We're the well-wishers of everybody's freedom, but the vindicator of only our own. Right? But all you got to do is stick a title on it. Patriotism. Revenge, president, Congress, democracy. Yeah, and I think now is the time. I mean, it were past time in a lot of ways, but but I think for many, like now is a time that we can. And, and I'm going to use a religious word here, but that that I've had to look at myself and my thinking, and I think a lot of people need to look at themselves and just the way they think and like you know, repent, change, like think about this stuff in a new way, you know, read this, read this, this stuff and, and see how does it apply to today? Um, because, you know, I, I, you know, I, I, I struggle um, to not be a hypocrite and saying like, that wasn't me 10 years ago, five years, like, no, I, I and, same. Yeah. And, and so like, and now it's like, breaks my heart to, to think about like um um you know the the soldiers that i that i know who i was totally in favor of them going to war and 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 you know not just messing up the lives of the people over there but messing up their own lives like you're talking about the the, the drone pilot mm-hmm. you know um I, I can't imagine what those people saw and went through and i was fully on board with it mm-hmm. and and it's hard to like come to that realization you know it's hard to go oh my gosh what was i what was i advocating for um you know am i advocating for peace and, and security or am i advocating for raw raw um you know vengeance well what are those troops the american troops that biden sent the other day to Africa, what are they doing there? What what are they doing there? That's a good question. <laughs> well, when they kill the people that those are the ones you kill, kill those guys. When they kill them, are we going to be safer here? Are we going to have better lives, better, more liberty, greater prosperity? No. But Joe Biden doesn't care because he is not over there. It's like he says, well, he not only kills other people, he throws away his, the lives of his own soldiers. Right. I mean, just to glut a restless tyrant 
and his instruments, men and nations must be slaughtered or enslaved. That's the way you get glory from these pretend heroes. Such is the difference between the old original heroes and these, their apes. And then use this as a checklist for our government, who by fraud, violence, perjury, restless cruelty, make war upon their subjects and neighbors. And by sacrificing the virtuous and the brave, or by making them their instruments to sacrifice others, and by distressing, exhausting, plundering, and chaining all, push human misery as far as it can go. That's what they do. That's what you do. That's how you gain. You promise to be, I'm going to kill more of those brown people than my opponent. She's soft on brown guys. I will kill them. That's what you do. And it, but we don't care, you see. We don't care. We claim to be a Christian country. Right. Okay, go and look on this next presidential uh, campaign. You will see that each of the candidates has a thing. The things I promised to do in my first 100 days. Go through that list. Put a red mark next to everything that the Constitution allows them to do. Oh, it'd be zero. None. Then tune in, Mr. Christian. Tune in to the inauguration when that guy who's already promised you to violate the Constitution, but he's your favorite tyrant. I got the right letter after my name, y'all. What's up? So I've promised to violate the Constitution, but now, Christian... You're going to cry and you're going to applaud and you're going to feel so patriotic when he puts his hand on a Bible and says, I swear to preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution of the United States. So help me God. And you're going to be like, oh my gosh, he's such a good man. He just blasphemed and you applauded it. Our fathers would have torn him off that stage and shown him a hero. Well, our ancestors. And they were, were, that's for sure they were heroes. Um, Yeah. I don't know if you're getting tired, but we got to go to the, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got to go to what he suggests they they do with them. Well, Uh, and there was one other thing that I was. Oh, yeah, go on. Yeah. That we talked about, which is, um, oh, where is it? I mean, there's so much. Um, where does he talk about mock heroes? Um, oh, huh? Valor by proxy. Valor by yeah. There was the, well, yeah. Valor by proxy. Yeah, he does. But what about this one where he's like um, an equitable punishment for how bloodthirsty they are? Yeah, that's in this paragraph. Perhaps it would be a more equitable punishment if they, these tyrants who, you know, wage wars and kill and destroy uh, their own people and people abroad, if they could be caught, 
shut up a number of them in a madhouse with their beloved arms about them, there to fight and tear one another's flesh and spill their own detestable blood till they had no more to spill. This would be giving a sort of satisfaction to mankind for so much human blood outrageously and wantonly spilt. Dude, if you don't love Trenchard and Gordon after that, That's you and me, you and me ain't friends, man. If you don't want congressional Hunger Games, Hunger Games me and you ain't friends. Because I want that seven ways to Sunday. I want everyone who has voted to put troops in these foreign combat situations without a declaration of war in violation of the Constitution. I want all of them locked up Hunger Games style with weapons and say, just go at each other. Yeah. You love you love war so much. You love shedding blood so much. Have at it, y'all. And, and that reminds me of the other part that I wanted to say, say, which is where he talks about, and I can't remember where it is, but he talks about like not just the people who shed the blood, but the, the, the generals, those who stand back. Oh, yeah. Those who, those who watch the, you know, the, the soldiers he, do their bidding. Right. And, and you know, while the, um, oh, the, the language is beautiful. It's, it's like, just the next paragraph. It's okay. the next paragraph, yeah. Let's see. This is not the mock heroism. Yeah, one. this is not only the mock heroism of this world. There is yet another sort of mischievous, but still more ridiculous, and that is a violent appetite for war and victory and conquest without engaging personally in the danger or coming near it, but being very valorous by proxy. And, and that's, yeah, that's exactly what you were talking about, Jim. And fond of fighting without drawing a sword. This was the prudent bravery of a late, late aged conqueror who has never tired of war, yet has never tired of uh, his own person in it. In the heat of a battle fought for his glory, he ran no risk. And he talks about, uh, but sat securely at a great distance with a wise old woman, his mistress, waiting for laurels of other people's winning. I mean, that just... Is there any, I mean, if you didn't see in your mind Biden in the White House... Right. We're going to go, we're going to straighten out Africa... We're going to straighten out Afghanistan, we're gonna Pakistan. Fix those, we're going to we're fix gonna those Russians. Fi we're going to make it where the Russians and the Ukraine stop fighting. We're going to stand up for democracy because Ukraine was a democracy. But we're going to do it, not run by oligarchs with mansions in Miami that we paid for. But anywho, that's, you know, don't say that, Joe. They're fight. They're out there putting themselves in harm's way. Oh, yeah. I've seen Zelensky. Zelensky is. He's, he's out there. He's a hero. no. I love this. They love war, but they're not going to come within a country mile of fighting in it. Right. They will sit back at a comfortable distance, sacrificing other people to win glory for them. Yeah. They oh. never tired of war, but never tired themselves in one. Oh, what a lucky man he was. Yeah. That, it's, it's like he just wants the glory and he knows that his position enables him to sacrifice others it's, for his own glory. It's David's great sin, right? It's it's the, it's putting right. other people out there to to cover up for your sins and to gain glory for you. They slaughter thousands who obey them and undo millions who ought not to obey them and all to enslave others. Others who neither wish to do them harm and with whom they have nothing at all to do. 
those people in Djibouti, those people in Afghanistan, they couldn't give a right royal rip about America until you start freaking blowing stuff up. See, and, and this is the thing, like what should America's role be in the world? And, and this has been the conclusion that I've come to. Um, I think you'll agree, but, but tell me if I'm wrong. I think the, the role, like we should not be the policemen of the world. We should be the, 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 a city of light on a hill of freedom that everyone looks to and says, we can do that too. We can take down the tyrants and we can take down our own tyrants and secure our own liberty. Well, and that's our role. That is exa- That's the thing I quoted earlier from the John Quincy Adams speech um, uh, in search of monsters to destroy from 1821, where he says, hey, we're not going to spill blood and treasure to secure your liberty. We're going to do that for ours. We'll pray for you and support you and cheer for you when you make strides toward freedom. But we go not abroad in search of monsters to destroy. We're the vindicator of our own liberty and the well-wisher of yours. Right. It reminds me of Tacitus. Did I study Tacitus with your kids? Yes. So Tacitus in Germania, you know, written about AD 90, writing about the— So if you're English or German, these are your ancestors, right? He's writing about um, the ancient tribes of Germany, and he talks about this tribe called the Chaucians. And when I taught this, the first time I taught this in a high school, in a brick and mortar high school, man, the kids were running around tagging boards in the school with be a Chaucian. <laughs> because the Chaucians in, in Tacitus's, teo, or Tacitus' record, uh, Germania, he says, you know, everyone knew that if it came to a fight, they were going to give you a fight. But they were peaceful. They were respectful. They went not out looking for combat, looking for conquest. They were peaceful in their land. They would not suffer others to attack them, but they would not go out seeking neither plunder or conquest. And that's who we could be, man. We could be that. Who's going to fight us? Yeah. But a lot of people, individuals are because we continually irk them. We continually goad them. And it's by design. Right. Right. When there is no domestic enemy, create a foreign one, said James Madison. But Madison got that. Why? That's exactly what Pisistratus did. These Athenians will not let me rule, will not give me their arms. Well, I'm going to ride outside of town with my boys, cut ourselves up with our own knives, and then ride back into town and say, oh my gosh, there is this foreign foe out there. They're going to attack us if you don't let us be the official army. Give us your weapons because we don't know who to trust. We don't know who we can. Your neighbor might be one of these people. You got to give, oh my gosh, seriously? Yes, there's a ton of, look what they did to us. Oh, here are our weapons. Womp, womp, womp. Right? It's Al-Qaeda. Right? Right. It's not, who is it? Then it's not, Taliban. Oh, Okay. Right? It's the Chinese. It's the Chinese. It, in the 80s, it was the Japanese, remember? Anyway, it's somebody. It's always somebody. If you can't find a domestic enemy, create one. Because people are so willing to give up liberty in exchange for this safety that you, this illusory promise of safety. Right. And I think that's the key. Like, the problem isn't that we have enemies. Of course we have enemies. The problem is that we make them 
first of all, we, we, we do harm to them. That makes them, you know, want, makes us, makes them more enemies, <laughs> more of an enemy. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, um, like we have this false idea that we can be secure, like somehow they can't, that, that, that we can't, um, that we can have this like bubble of protection and, and you could have a bubble of protection, but at the price of Liberty and, and Liberty, Liberty is scary. Freedom is scary. And we have to be willing to, to face down that fear. Right. I mean, that's the point though. It existence, you know, a free existence is, you know, a tenuous existence, but that's what it is. But you come together and you make rules with people who are like-minded. And when you say we have enemies, I'm like, who's this we, Kimosabi? Because, I, I mean, seriously, yeah, if you let them, if you continue with this narrative that we are a nation, a word that does not appear in the Constitution, and not a single person in that convention would have stayed there had that been the proposal. But if you continue that narrative, and now we have for five, six generations that we're one nation indivisible, when you can, like we did, we demonstrated to these Arizona lawmakers that was written by a socialist to support a socialist magazine, that it was supported by the teachers' unions, by the American socialists. They don't care because why? You cannot dissuade someone of lies that they've been convinced are true. And, and as you mentioned before, like it's always the first thing that we learn that becomes the truth. Right. Well, that was Thucydides. That wasn't me. But yeah, Thucydides is like, you can For come. Me, it's you. Okay. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Joe Wolverton, Thucydides. Thucydides, same. same kind of deal. <laughs> but, you know, we, that, but it's a real thing, Mike. You perpetuate this narrative and it becomes the enemy of, of, this ruling class right. becomes the enemy of all of us? No. Because there is no all of us, Kimosabi. And, and that's the truth. The, the, the ruling class, and if you think about it, the ruling class is our enemy. So yeah, that's... We should be on the side of the Chinese. <laughs> well, I mean, it's like they <laughs> declared themselves yeah. enemies. You know, I remember like that... Stepping outside the line of, of the... And, wow. you know, there is a, I have a whole document filled, nothing but these men that the founding fathers read who say that they are now nothing but an enemy and the people should hunt them down and treat them accordingly. You know, every man is a soldier against a tyrant. Because why? Because if you let another man usurp that authority to force you to do something, even something ostensibly nominally good you are allowing that man to put himself above god because god will never force you to do something that even that which is truly good so when he says thou shalt have no other gods before me and then you obey a tyrant you are placing someone above him right and when you create this notion that this is my duty as an american But pump the brakes, man. Don't hide behind the skirts of the founders until you have spent time with the founders. Marinate in that stuff, man. Let it sink deep into you. Keep, you know, marinating it overnight. 
Let that stuff sink deep into you. You know, don't go half caught because you've seen on the internet a Federalist Papers quote. Right. You can, I'm telling you, man. I mean, the reason we do these, this series on the podcast is so some, there's going to be that young man or young woman who goes and actually reads this and then lo and behold, teaches it to their children or decides to become a true hero. And that's why this stuff will never be taught in school again. Because if we read what our founders read, we might do what our founders did and run the tyrants off at the point of a gun. And you know what I say, chapter one of Tyranny for Dummies, get control of the language. How do you do that? Control education. Yeah. Teach them incorrect, purposefully incorrect definitions of words. Like hero. Like yeah. hero, for example. <laughs> or gender. Or ge- yeah, or gender. Yeah. Right? Exactly. Uh, I don't know why am I even bothering to open my mouth at this point. But I did have a question, Joe. Yeah. Um, Thomas Jefferson went to war without declaring war, right? Against the Barbary Pirates. Yeah. Declaration of war. Should he have been tried as war criminal? Uh, sure, if that's what the people wanted him to wanted to do to him. I mean, none of these guys. And Thomas Jefferson would be first to say it, we shouldn't deify any of them. Now, he argued at the time, if you read, uh, and you probably have, but if you read his letters at the time, no, 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 I mean, I'm, no, I'm sure you have, it's not, it's not like it's some kind of esoteric Gnostic library or something, you know, but he explained that he was protecting life and that there was no one against whom to declare war because it was pirates. That was his argument. His argument was, well, we would declare, who do we declare war against? The pirate, it's not like they have a club, right? You call yourself a pirate one day and not the next. Who do you declare war against, right? If you're declaring war on the pirates, there's no, because a declaration of war, essentially a statement to the world that we're pushing pause on on, uh, international law, right? We're going to say, instead of not killing people, we're going to kill some people. Instead of not taking your stuff, we're going to take some stuff. So you declare that, right? And it has to be just. In the case of the Barbary Pirates, I, you know, I don't think it was a declaration of war because it would have been impossible. I think given what happened, I think he did the right thing. And one of the main things he did that I think we could use if we really were interested, because he shut that business down. And one thing we could do if we were interested in that sort of thing, if we, if you want to conflate the pirate, the Barbary pirates with Al Qaeda, for example, a lot of people have done that. If you want to do that, do what Jefferson did and issue letters of mark and reprisal. Set American civilians, and that's in the Constitution. They can issue letters of mark and reprisal, right? And say to a civilian, we're granting you this specific mission to go in search of this person and bring him back. You have, you're not to be held accountable legally for what happens because we are granting you the imprimatur of the state. You are as if you were the government, but you're a civilian. It's called Letters of Mark and Reprisal. I wrote an article about this about 10 years ago because I think, man, when it's a case of a, 
an ill-defined or even undefinable enemy. Use, and we're just talking about individuals, as were the Barbary pirates. If you're talking about individuals, let's use like Jefferson did, like Madison did in 1812. Let's use the letters of mark and reprisal. Let's get some of these guys, these veterans that were in SEAL teams or Delta Force or whatever. Let's get these guys who say, I could go over there with a pack of smokes and, you know, and I could have these guys. Let's give them a shot at that. And I think, you know, in the case of Jefferson, personally, I don't think he did. He was a war criminal because I don't think his actions rose to that level. I think he was very surgical in what he did, given the situation. I don't think he ever purposefully took innocent life. I think, in fact, in his missives to Monroe, he specifically says, we need to go as far out from that as possible to keep this localized, to keep this narrowly tailored toward the pirates. So no, I would say no, and I would say for those reasons I just said, but also I would adopt something from that era, and that is the letters of Mark and reprisal. And if you guys want to look that up, it's M-A-R-Q-U-E, by the way. And if you want to look that up, just Google my name and Mark of Letters of Mark, and I'll go through the whole history of it. And it's really an effective tool, especially in light of piracy and, and maybe terrorism or things we can't, that are ill-defined or undefinable, use those tools that we, which is a constitutional tool, whereas the president sending, you know, drones to, to drop missiles on a wedding because the uncle of a bad guy might be at that wedding, that's not constitutional. Well, it, also, it also prevents a standing army. Mm, yeah, that you know, which- Because you're, right. you're, using, you're using civilians and you're, you're saying, okay, it's a very specific task, it's a specific thing, and you can go do this thing. But once that mission is accomplished, stand down. Like there's, you're no longer- Right, because you have a very narrowly tailored right. mission. It's you are going in search of just for the sake of discussion, Osama bin Laden. You are going, you have one year to do it. You can use the following, you know, uh, resources and offer, you know, you can offer money. You could say, you know, they did this in the war for independence. They did it in the Barbary pirates. They did it in 1812. Use that. I mean, it's an, it's an, it's on the table. Whereas, you know, a 20 year undeclared, war that decimates a nation is not constitutional because only Congress can declare war. And although I get why politically it's advantageous to push onto the president, because then you could say, look what he did. I never wanted to do that. Right. He did it. Right. And you can hide behind some authorization for the use of military force. Have some Stugats declare war or not. Right. Well, I don't know. That law would be, unless it was an amendment, it would have to be an amendment to the Constitution. I, I hear what you're saying. Yeah. It would have to be an amendment to the Constitution. And I, I there isn't know, one. For a moment, no. And in fact, in 2000... Yeah, po yeah, policy small. I don't care. If it's not an amendment, that still is in the Constitution. And in fact, Ron Paul made a bill seeking to have letters of mark and reprisal issued. I can't remember what year it was, maybe 2002. 
when he was in Congress and he's like, and you can go and he, you can go on YouTube and he gives a whole, he's like, why don't we use this? You know, let's use this that we have because yeah, to, to have complete, to have abolished that it would have to be an amendment and no amendment has ever been ratified that abolishes mark and reprisal. I know. Interesting. That's cool. Um, all right, let's get to what do we do with tyrants? Well, I think, you know, we got the Hunger Games. Hunger Games. I think that I, I personally, that's, you know, one of my favorites you, is you the Hunger Games. We want to talk about the, um, uh, a che- another checklist. I think. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you go down, uh, let me find where my checklist is. Hold on. Now I have to find it's great. which when, I was using as my know, other. When I, one of the things, as you're looking for that, one of the things I love about these letters is that they are short. I mean, it's probably. You wouldn't right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they're, they're, it's probably what, 1,200 words, 1,500 words, something like that? Yeah, probably about, yeah, probably right at 1,500 or you so. Know, yeah. Something that could be read. You know, the, the language you have to get used to just because it's older, but you could read it in 10 minutes. Well, um, yeah, and you could, yeah, you could I read, mean, it, in I read it in 10 minutes. And read Jim it with, read it, in three. read it with a dictionary, man. <laughs> Some of these things, if you don't know what they are, read it with a dictionary. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, well, the I think I, we actually already talked about it because I already have it marked off, but okay. the, um, the differences in what do the tyrants do and I think we already we already went over that. They are, you know, valorous by proxy. Yeah. They they well, the fraud, violence, perjury, we already went over that. The things that set apart a tyrant from from a, a, a true uh magistrate, a true, you know, representative, a true political servant is the fraud, violence, perjury, restless cruelty make war upon their subjects and neighbors, sacrifice the virtuous and the brave, all of that. That's, we, yeah. we went through that. And then, yeah. he, and then he goes through and he does give examples, the French, the Swedes, like mm-hmm. he talks about yeah. different examples of, of um, you know, where it went wrong. <laughs> well, and he talks about, you always have, uh, princes are beset with sycophants. Yeah. And that's true. I mean, particularly... You know, you have, if I swear, I got so much heat from conservatives when I wrote that article about how, when Trump said, uh, seize the weapons now, we'll worry about due process later. When he said conservatives lost their, why are you undermining President Trump? Because I'm no respecter of persons. It's the Constitution. Right. Every issue, every time. No exceptions. To be clear, you also supported him on his, his uh, if I remember right, his um, uh, impeachment trial. Like you said, this is right. a false oh. impeachment. Right. I supported him on that, supported him on the charges that he's been, yeah. you know, laid on him now. Yeah, I support. It's not a matter of that. It's a matter of principle is always over party. Right. The Constitution always over the personality, right? Always. And so- but people have their sycophants. If a Republican does it, and he even, there's a whole, 
section in here, a whole letter in here devoted to that, that when you have parties uh, who come into being, that, what's that? The one that he was quoting from. No, no, the, there's another Cato's letter where they say, if you, you know, if the one party does it, it's fine, but if the other party yeah. does it, it's wrong. Right, and that's the way we live today, and that's pretty much these these sycophants. They're ready to applaud, no matter what it is, even when they're applauding traitors. Right? What is a traitor? I mean, isn't that someone who commits treason? Well, how would you define treason? I mean, the Constitution defines it, right? right. It's actually defined in there, and so if you could, why not charge? any one of them with treason and see if you can make it stick because you're going to have, and why can't we? Because the Republicans are not going to, as a rule, not going to vote to charge one of their own with treason. Right. Because they know they're committing treason too. And the Democrats are the same. Like it, no, right. Exactly. This is yeah. where it's a uniparty system because the, it, there's a, um, you know, for, for all the differences in policy, you know, within that, you know, within that, that narrow spectrum that, that the parties allow, um, like they all cover for each other. They all allow each other, um, to, to, to get away with, with completely unconstitutional, completely treasonous acts. Um, because it's all acts against the people. Right. You know? Well, and against your own oath of office. Right. The, uh, down, he's talking about Telemachus, um, you know, Telemachus from the Republic, from Plato's Republic is. Yeah, him. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Sometimes, like, you can, sometimes you're like, yeah, and I'm like, okay. And then I look at you and you're like. <laughs> Side eye, <laughs> side eye. No, I'm just, I'm just trying to put in my head the next thing I need to read. <laughs> oh, Plato's, yeah, Telemachus. But anyway, so he says he puts it in Telemachus's mouth. But he says, such, and this sounds, you know, James Madison could have written this. Such are the heavy evils that follow war. I mean, you think about what has happened in the wake of war in the United States, and and not just declared wars, because obviously there's only there hasn't been one since 1941, but. Think about that. What, how the country changed after World War I with income tax, with the Federal Reserve, with, uh, with um, the growth of the army. And think of you know, World War II with mothers continuing their employment outside the home, right? Vietnam, the sexual revolution, right? It always, such are the heavy evils that follow wars. What blind fury urges unhappy mortals? So few are the days that they have to live upon this earth, and so miserable do they make those few days. Why will they run headlong into the jaws of death, which is of itself already making hasty approach to devour them? Why add so many frightful desolations to a short and bitter life that is already made so by heaven. Men are all brethren, and yet they tear and butcher one another, more unnaturally fierce and cruel than wild beasts of the desert. <laughs> 
Lions don't make war upon lions. Tigers, not upon tigers. They attack animals of a different species. But man, and man alone, in spite of his reason, does things that those creatures without reason would never do. You are listening to And If Love Remains. The first of 23 installments requested by Dr. Levitt. We're trying to be in compliance here because we're taking him and that whole organization down. 